Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Alami podcast Change Your Company. My guest today is Keith Good who is VP of Client Services at Zero Din. Uh, a, and I'm very excited about our conversation today which is all about people analytics and all the intelligence that it could provide for leadership and HR in organizations to help developing the talent to help create more engagement to help creating higher performance and more inspiring workplace kiss welcome to the alami podcast well thank you so much it's it's great to be here and as you mentioned I'm, my name is keith good the vp of services that zeroed in and i've had the privilege of working with analytics and and reporting and data for over 20 years really specializing in the hr uh, space. So I look forward to our conversation today. Yeah. So why is it that for a lot of cases, um, leadership decisions and, and management decisions don't rely on uh, very solid data? And is it because of the absence of powerful systems there? Like, uh, uh, or, or is it because they are not used to take this data into consideration for taking decisions? Uh, it's, it's a great question. And, and I think, you know, when we look at uh, leadership today, we often talk about those interpersonal skills, those soft skills. And I think, you know, looking at, at data and uh, looking at value from that data uh, requires a, a little bit of different skill set that I think uh, leaders are starting to emerge I think there's tons of opportunity in maximizing that resource. Um, and let's face it, from an HR space, the, the data and the information over the years, it's messy. Um, you know, it's very siloed. Uh, you've got different systems that maintain different data differently and bringing that together and aggregating that and correlating, it's a challenge. Um, but I think there's tools and functionality and features that are starting to break down some of those challenges. And of course, you know, leadership needs to, to embrace that as well. So let's look at, for example, uh, turnover of people, right? This is one area which is uh, a lot of companies don't pay attention uh, that much to it. And um, What's your experience in this area, for example, uh, and and how this could be insightful for leaders and for HR when it comes to uh, creating a higher performing workplace? Well, there's so much to, to go on on that, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, the turnover and, and uh, uh, exits are very costly to an organization, not just to the, the current monetary, you know, how much it costs to bring a person on board and getting the resources, but there's also that opportunity cost that when someone leaves, um, you know, you, you've trained them, you've provided resource, you spent a lot, and, and maybe just starting to get some of the value back and a person decides to leave, well, the opportunity cost is where do you think they're going to go? They're going to go to possibly one of your competitors and take all the resources, all that you've invested with them. So, you know, it it's quite a problem if you think about it. From a perspective of, of analytics, there's a lot that can be done there. And, and my experience is we've, we've worked with um, artificial intelligent uh, algorithms that can help predict where flight and flight risk could occur. Um, so, 
you know, it's it's being able to look at the data from the past uh, from multiple different areas, um, identifying features that an organization believes are important to determining a person's flight. And we've worked with organizations where we've looked at features, obviously the, the normal ones such as uh, tenure, such as number of promotions, number of demotions, but there's also other uh, data aspects to consider. You know, how much time is a, a person spending commuting? Um, there's other things such as, um, you know, do they have friends in the organization? That's kind of more on the engagement side. Um, and how many times, of, of course, when their, their tenure, have they experienced new management? Um, so all of those are additional features that can go into a model in order to help predict who might be at risk of flight. And you take that, um, and we've done something additional to that where we call it explainable AI, because artificial intelligence and prediction says each case may use those features differently to come up with uh, a prediction. And often that leaves uh, people scratching their head and says, well, why is this person, you know, what features did, did it use to predict this person might be a high risk at leaving and this other person just a medium risk? And you're right, AI uses those features differently for each prediction. So in explainable AI that we've been able to generate, we've taken that information back through the model in the reverse order so we can take any prediction and say, yes, these are, for this person, these are the high elements that were used to determine their flight risk, whereas another person, it, it might be different. So we can help um, leaders and managers understand why a person might be high of uh, high flight risk. And then you can take that to the next step in what we call prescriptive analytics, where you could, you know, then schedule a, a stay interview with a person or generate a total compensation statement for that particular person and share with them to, in hopes that they continue to, to stay at your organization and go to the next level. So it's a fascinating aspect of now what could be done simply by analyzing and using the historical data in your organization. That's amazing when uh, when you can use uh, data together with uh, AI and try to kind of uh, develop some solutions to face some of these challenges. So it's not a just uh, analysis, but it's also you know solutions and and, and brainstorming for solutions, and uh, that's what becomes really fascinating. Yes, and and the predictions can go in other areas. For example. Uh, best candidate to hire. You know, you've got all these, these uh, candidates out there. You've got historical aspect. You can then look at your, your data in terms of who have been strong hires and look at the features among those and use that for predicting hires in, in the future. So that's another aspect that AI could be used to, to help you know, come up with predictions and, and make more informed and, and better decisions. Do you have any examples about how using the, such data in a way which is um, systematic uh, helped uh, a leader or an organization to, to move forward or to make some improvement? Yeah, you know, um, and that's a, a great aspect because from an HR and people analytics perspective, it's also about 
aggregating, correlating to business data. So we've worked with retail organizations. And if you know, in, in retail, um, high turnover at the stores, lower turnover in the back uh, home office, um, lots of churn within the organization at the, the store and region and district levels. So we've been able to work on generating models that can, can help predict um, a person's performance because not only were we looking at the typical HR data in terms of you know pay, hours work, number of training um, and skills, but we are also to combine that data with with uh, business uh, actual sales data all the way down to the the SKU or product level. So when we are able to aggregate that data, the business sales data with the HR data, we could do predictions in terms of, you know, who might be uh, the best to perform at given hours and given times at specific stores. And that helped managers schedule uh, the, the most efficient people at the most effective times in order to maximize potential uh, revenues. And they were able to, to identify millions of dollars of additional revenue uh, based off of that mechanism. Um, that's just one example. I have other examples. For example, another example is we worked with a, a call center and a call center um, had people that worked on um, uh, tax tax rules. So when their clients were um, had tax tax problems, whether with the state or local or federal level, um, this call center of expert tax advisors would get these cases and, and work them. But every tax advisor had different skills and different certifications. And the work that came in had different criteria, for maybe from one or state to another or from a federal perspective or different types of rules. So we helped formulate an algorithm that would uh, score the, the tasks or the tickets coming in and allocate them to people that were available people with the right skills, and people that could uh, get those jobs done the, uh, most effectively. Um, it's called that backpack algorithm. You know, how much can you actually jam into a, a backpack effectively? Um, yeah. So there's a lot of mathematical things that can be used in helping manage uh, people today. Mm -hmm. And uh, what about... Uh the the engagement of the people, for example, or the development of the talent. I think this is also something that by having the right data, we are able to 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 take care of these two areas in a more effective way. Uh, what would you say about this? I mean, how much is the importance of data for for these areas? You know, that, that's a, a really interesting question too. And we all know how important an engaged workforce is. There's been tons of study out, out there that, that people can look to. And there's a lot of investment in organizations performing uh, engagement surveys. Um, and they provide a lot of good, valuable insight. But I will think there's an area of opportunity that is often missed um, with engagement evaluations. Um, often, engagement evaluations include um, areas where the um, assessor is able to enter more uh, textual and, and paragraph and sentence structures, uh, more open-ended responses. And in a lot of organizations, unfortunately, without the, the proper use of text analytics 
um, that information often just gets overlooked or it will just randomly look for either keywords or key responses um, in, in order to try to anecdotally come up with, with some information about the, the text that was, was entered in the free format text. But text analytics takes that a lot further. Um, it starts to understand language and, and written language and can infer a lot more detail about people's responses. Um, and I think that's a great opportunity to, to dive into um, to get more information about that, that text um, responses that otherwise is just gone un, unevaluated. Mm. And and um, this is actually also in in AI. It's a very interesting area because you are able to analyze from even the email that being exchanged in the company and 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 the overall communication. You can analyze the mood of the people or or, or the culture of the organization or. Uh, or the focus, uh, and and maybe you can measure the effective, uh, what effectively are the values which are lived by the organization. Um, so, and I think that would be really interesting area for for leaders to 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 pay attention to because it's available there, right there, right. I mean, the emails are being exchanged all the time. The communication is there. And when, you are, when we are able to use this strategically to kind of a, uh, get the pulse of the organization and, and the collaboration between the people and things like this, what would you say about that? Yeah, there's been a, a lot of great new technology to help support that. You may have heard terms such as neural networks, which is not just AI, but it's also a mechanisms of being able to present the, the links and communication paths um, within an organization. Um, and again, it's important to remember that you know, emails and that type of uh, traffic, that type of information is owned by the organization. So it is organizational ownership data. Um, of course, privacy is very important in, in that and should be used. But at an aggregate level, um, there's tons of information that, that can be gained by identifying who's communicating with whom about what. And uh, whether it's looking at um, that communication from emails and text messages or whether it's just surveying people. Hey, who do you go to to get information about technology? Who do you go to to get information about the product? Who do you go to to get information about competitors? So all within the organization, right? And once you get that information, you can start mapping those communication channels. And there's a term that's not widely used. I've, I've used it and I, I'm fascinated about it. It's called a cosmopolitan. It's not the drink. Um, it's those people in your organization that people go to to get answers. But those people may not be in the management structure. They may not be in the, the next leader. They may be uh, very humble, unassuming people. Um, but they're highly knowledgeable and people learn to go to those people for, for answers on a regular basis. It's those cosmopolitans that you do not want to, to lose in your organization. They provide a ton of value. Again, often are overlooked because they may not be in that, that management structure. 
So um, that's a, a fascinating area of science uh, to, to look and how to foster and how to maximize your cosmopolitans. That's a great, yeah. So in a way, the cosmopolitans are the influencers in the organizations who... Yes, uh, yes, which, which I find so unique because they may, may not also be the ones that every you know, that, that are in that management structure. They're not the ones that, you know, the, the top uh, manager may know about, but everyone else knows, hey, go to, go to Joe over there if you want to know how to set up your computer right, you know? Um, it's that type yeah. of, that type of uh, use case. So when it comes to people analytics, what would you say should be the maybe four, five, six kind of indicators that a leader should pay attention to um, when it comes to leading a group group or groups of people? Uh, you know, that's a great question. And again, it's fairly new. And, and um, I, I think one is that there is no magic bullet. There is no, you know, um, hey, here's everything um, you need to do. It, it's, uh, it, it starts at the foundational level. It starts at understanding what's out there, where your data lives, who's owner, who's owner of it, how can you get it, how can it be normalized or cleansed, how can it be aggregated. So I think that's kind of the, the start and the foundation. And, and working on generating a, a platform or a foundation where that can start from. Second, it's about understanding your organization's unique requirements. Um, there are systems out there that can, you know, promise, hey, get your data in this format and we'll give you these 5,000 metrics. Okay, well, that's great. But what about my unique organization? What about how I uniquely do things? Um, how is it going to be able to handle that? And you might be challenged. Conversely, you may decide, oh, well, I'm just going to hire a lot of technology people. We're just going to build our own reports. And then quickly you're going to find out, well, every time a new request comes in, we're, re we're you know, starting from zero and we're recreating the wheel and this becomes quite time consuming. And I would argue there's a place in the middle. There's a, a place in the middle of a platform where, you know, you can you know, still benefit from templates and from um, experience of, of an organization that's done this before, but at the same time allowing you to configure um, your own special requirements, your own special data. Um, so there is that place in the middle. And of course, be re uh, mindful that it often is data outside of the, the HR environment, uh, whether it's sales data from your businesses, um, productivity data, and it can also be external data, such as um, we've had a client in the healthcare space where we've brought in from here in the United States, um, statistics at the federal level about hospitals and their quality. And so the organization can look at, you know, their people, their training, their investments, and relate to see how that's impacted the quality rating, the federal quality rating that the, the federal government puts on hospitals. We've also looked at bringing in weather data. And, you know, we've had organizations that have people that worked outside. And um, by identifying weather, weather patterns, we can look at how performance and how scheduling could be impacted. So, you know, it's, it's looking at those types of things and having a platform that can grow with you as you um, elevate into new areas. 
That's amazing. Uh, looking at a different set of data, not only the traditional ones. And and I like what you said about uh, being agile enough to to adapt to what the organization needs and not what has been traditionally collected or, or looked at, because I think this is the most effective way. Yeah, I yeah, totally yeah, agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, do you have any advice? I mean, we are reaching the end of our conversation. Any advice for for leaders when it comes to people analytics and, and intelligence and, and using AI in this and... Yeah, I think there, there's a couple things. And one, as I, I mentioned, uh, you know, there is no magic wand to get it done. The, the devil's in the detail. And, and unfortunately, you, you have to get in there. You may have to learn new skills. And if I can do it, anyone can do it. Uh, but you may need to learn new skills or, or get people with uh, unique skills to help cleanse data, to correlate data, to aggregate information in order to provide that value. And often what we say, as another takeaway, is we, we say in the, the industry is what gets measured gets funded. So having a measurement strategy is really, really important. Um, and then remember, knowledge is power. But it's only when we apply that knowledge and we apply that we truly are able to identify change and growth. So those would probably be the, the main take, takeaways that, that I would share with your audience. Yeah. Keith, thank you so much. This is uh, very helpful and insightful. I think this area is sometimes sometime overlooked, uh, but it's essential because, as you said, like what got uh, measured, got managed or got developed or invested in. And, and it's so important to ensure that you know, decisions when it comes on to people and culture and, and strategy and investment is based on real data. And, and today, more than ever, there, there are a lot of opportunities to leverage that data and to, to predict future trends and uh, based on, on this data. So uh, thank you for sharing all the insights from your experience. Uh, this has been very helpful. Absolutely, uh, Fred. It's, it's been a pleasure. And I hope your listeners found our conversation valuable. Um, if anyone has any questions or would like to contact me, please feel free to reach out to me through LinkedIn. My, my handle is Keith A. Good. That's Keith A. Good. Or you can visit our, our company website at zeroedin.com. I'm always happy to continue this conversation. Um, love to, to learn about what organizations are, are facing and, and how you know, we can possibly help. That's a great. Thank you so much, Keith. Thank you. Have a great day. And and to all the, our listeners, thank you so much. And uh, as always, stay inspired and make the biggest difference you can make, not only within your area of responsibility, but beyond it. Mm-hmm.